Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello to all of our listeners. We are so excited. Um, Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks. My name is Michael Raftery, and I am here with Leif Hetland. Hello, Leif. How are you? I'm actually doing very well. Just got home from Norway. It's good to see you. You're back in the office today. Um, How was your trip? It it was wonderful. I was quarantined for 10 days, meaning I was in my parents' house looking at the North Sea and got a little bit of time in nature and then 10 days of rest. And then I got to out of rest, wear the enemy out by working for four days. Come on. I love that. (laughs) I saw some of your pictures that you posted and it just looks so beautiful. It is gorgeous. Beautiful. So today we're talking about a topic that I'm really excited about. Um, We'll just dive right in because I'm excited to hear your perspective. I know you have some stories of of places the Lord's taken you, but one of my favorite stories in the Bible is about when Jesus invited Peter to walk on the water. Um, And Peter walks out on the water, keeps his eyes on Jesus, and he's doing the miraculous. But when he starts looking at his circumstances, starts to sink. And we, I'll let you elaborate a little more on that story because I know it ties right in exactly with what we're talking about. So we're going to talk about stirring your appetite for the impossible. So let's jump in a little bit. Leif, kind of tell me a little bit about um, your experience with stirring the appetite for the impossible and how you have kept that, that, that taste for, for greater things in your life. Yeah, first of all, um, I I think it's important to feed yourself with things that requires faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I know I'm no longer a God pleaser when I'm not operating by faith. And there's things that uh, I've learned over the years is how to be able to stir up my faith, meaning I'm doing something. uh, I'm seeing the invisible so I can do the impossible. And so my journey goes all the way back. I think that the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire when Dr. Randy Clark, June 6, 1995, was probably the launching had for me where there was a new stir in regard to an appetite for the impossible. It's almost like now I don't have any excuse any longer in regard to staying in the boat because the word was very clearly that you're going to walk on water, meaning you're going to do something that you cannot do and you're going to learn how to keep your eyes on Jesus. So when the prophecy over my life Mm. as a dreamer, hoping to be able to see my Baptist church go from 155 to 200 and almost feeling burned out, it's things that you can do with leadership skills, administration, evangelists, motivating the people, all those things you can do in the natural. But suddenly you're getting a word over your life that you're going to see a million people in the darkest places in the world Mm. receiving Jesus. Then you get other prophecy over your life that is so much bigger than yourself, so much bigger than what you can do and even combine what everybody else around you can do. That brings you into the presence. That brings you into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
that always, uh, uh, when the dove rests upon you, you suddenly start to do what Jesus did. And Jesus himself says, you're going to do the same things that I did and even greater things. And many times I'm saying, Jesus, could we stop with the same thing? Not as greater <laughs> things. Because when I know that, Jesus, you ruined every funeral that you came to and you touched the lepers, they became clean. And even if a woman that had been bleeding for 12 years were touching you. And so when I kind of look through the life of Jesus, both when it comes to the miracles, but just also the supernatural wisdom, the supernatural power, supernatural love, all the aspect of his life, that Jesus had such a belief in us that he would say that it's going to be better that I go home to my Father. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so that you are going to do the same things that I did and even greater things. And when he breathed on the disciples, has received the Holy Spirit. And then he said, as the Father have sent me, now I send you. And every single one of us as believers, we're commissioned to represent the Father like Jesus did, to bring glory to the Father the way that Jesus did. That is something that is stretching me. And I refuse to kind of put this into a box and kind of minimize the Word of God or try to get the Word of God down to my level. I want to upgrade and renew my way of thinking so that I think the way Jesus thinks, see the way Jesus sees, and starts to say what Jesus says about these things. So this is kind of a, a life pursuit. It's just to continue to be around people that are doing things. Uh, like when I started to hear about people being raised from the dead, if that was in Mozambique, and, and going there and interviewing the people and asking the people because I hadn't seen it. And then many of those other things that I just have had is appetite, the, the, the stirring appetite for the supernatural, for the impossible, the very things that you cannot do because I knew that's going to bring such a glory to the Father. Hmm. Wow. It sounds like you were, instead of just walking on water being an instance, it sounds like the Lord invited you into a lifetime of stepping out on the water and stepping out of the boat in these different situations. Yeah, I think that the picture there with a boat is just a very good experience or I think is an incredible invitation that I think that so many of us is more comfortable to be in the boat or we would like to have some kind of a writing on the wall before we step out of the boat or, I mean, in a sense, so... And as a result of that, we sometimes can miss out on it. And I think some of that is connected also to our worldview that if you know that it is not uh, about having success or failure in it, because that's not what it's all about. So when somebody, when you, when you see the impossible happening, then he gets the glory. You know it is not you. But you don't take the responsibility of the failure either. Wow. And that creates, a, that creates an incredible freedom then to step out, keep your eyes on Jesus and just saying, hey, and if that's a David and Goliath story, or if that's a Daniel and the lion's den, or you see many of these stories in the scripture, or if it is just an ordinary things that you do in an extraordinary way in a grocery store setting in a daily lifestyle, or when I'm going into the Middle East and suddenly I'm invited in, are you going to stay in the boat in this or are you going to get out of the boat and suddenly do something that it requires faith, it requires you keep your eyes on Jesus is going to require you to totally, totally trust in him. And is he trustworthy? And that's certainly those tests that you have. And then later on, you have the memory stones, like you have the bear, you have the lion. And now when you look at your Goliath, the impossible that is in the front of you, there's something that we have an appetite. Well, the same God that did this. And then you start to rehearse those victories you have had in the past that where you know that was God. That is so big. So I keep on my phone here videos of the impossible. I keep the testimony. I keep the stories, uh, even on my body, things that I carry on me is memory 
story stones of seeing the invisible and doing the impossible. And because I, I do want to live and love in such a way that it brings glory to my father so the people will see who he is by the way I live and love. Wow. That is really powerful. I think you, you kept saying impossible and what I kept thinking of, it, it's kind of cheesy, but it's so applicable that the word impossible actually broken up is I'm possible. That we can actually step into the impossible and change our relationship with it instead of it being a mountain that we can't climb. It's a mountain that changes shape when we look at it through God's perspective. Mm. Now, one thing that you say that I love is you say that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And talk to me a little bit about what that means and how that has fleshed out in your actual life, like situations where you've stepped out and in faith because the Lord has called you to do something and it's required great risk of you. Yeah, first, uh, I, I thought about a line uh, this morning that, that I think is related to that. And that was when, when fear came knocking on my door, then suddenly faith said, let me open it up. And faith opened up the door and there was nobody there. Mm. Uh, so I do believe wow. that uh, uh, we have we have an opportunity, and that's usually to operate either by fear or love. That's pretty much the primary two things. And then also faith works from love because it's connected to your relationship. I know who he is. I know who I am. So the love aspects, it's not just a kind of a, uh, I, I do know mm. who I have faith in. Another way to say faith is also, it's, it's risk, but it's also believing God. Mm. Believing God for anything. I have faith in God for anything. So as a result of that, that there's been so many different incidents or opportunities where I've been invited in and many people, like I was just in Norway, so many people were wondering, why you or why would you getting favor to meet with this prime minister or this president or this situation or they see the stadium videos? So, uh, I mean, there's all these questions of people that knew me before. And I still, I, I like one of my favorite one was one guy that was kind of a well-respected at Bethel, a Norwegian who went and he had been on a trip with uh, Randy Clark and Bill Johnson just as team member in Brazil and uh, and eventually Randy had said hey do you know a Leif Hetland and the guy said yeah yeah and they said wow and 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 he said but I, I I want to promise you it can't be him he was a Baptist pastor the one that I know and I just wow. smiled. So he came up to me one time. I was speaking at Bethel Reading for a conference, and the same person came up to me. So I just want to apologize because when wow. people were just mentioning you, they just I said it's an impossibility to be him mm -hmm. because you were the, one of the last one I could imagine to do some of those great things that oh, God is wow. doing. And I think that's also where why I believe in just ordinary people doing the extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the key in my life has been that I say kind of a little funny: many are called, but few are chosen. That's a scripture verse. Many are called, but few are chosen. And I use this kind of a tension between Arminianism and Calvinism that Jesus is saying, okay, anybody want to go to Pakistan? So many are called. So you have all these people in the room and nobody raises their hands. I raise my hand. And he said, okay, then I choose you. Wow. So many of them were called for different things. But I think that what I've done is I volunteered for many Mission Impossible in regard to not just the movie, but just when he's invited me. And I know there were so many other people that were more qualified than me. There's better writers than me. But when they didn't write that book, I, I stepped in and said, can you use me? Or there was other ones called to go to Sudan or go to Pakistan or go to Congo or go to different places, Indonesia or different places in Myanmar or different battle scenes. 
Philistines, but but there was nobody else. Oh, we have a Goliath here, and nobody is. I I, I volunteer. Mm-hmm. If you can use me, because I do know that there's something in me on my journey with the Father when I'm then or leaving my comfort zone, I'm leaving my boat and starting moving towards Him. Uh, I have a history with God where. I've seen the lame people walking, the blind people seeing, the deaf and mute hearing, seeing the environment changing, the glory of God hitting a city, or seeing 500 people coming to attack me, and heaven just falls on them, and they start to dance in the spirit, and their faces glow like a sun. So, I mean, even as we are here, and I'm looking back at all the walking on water experiences, it's just such an overwhelming thing. So I'm still one of those, like a little boy with a big papa, that when the invitation comes, hey, do I have anybody here. And I know there's so many other ones that God could use there. But if they are not volunteering, I'm volunteering. So many were called, but few are chosen. And sometimes it's not just the sovereignty of God. I think that what God loves, if he just have somebody that says, hey, if you can use me, I'm willing to take that risk. I take that risk. And that's what it is. It's risk taking. I don't know how it's going to go. And at least seven times when I left, I think, wow, it's hard for me not to cry. One of the first trips that I took and I knew I was never going to come home. And we had my son was there. And I remember we had a station wagon where we lived in Norway and I was going down the hill. And I just knew in my spirit what I was going to do was I'm not coming back. And seeing my son and my wife and weeping as we were going down there because it was a mission impossible. And I knew that. So seven times I volunteered to go into something. You could call it a suicide mission. But it's just there's no way you can come back afterwards. It is just... But then you are a lover, and and so suddenly there's something in you, and and it's strange. The people that knows me closely, and the ones that has been with me in the Middle East and some other settings, says nobody knows Leif Hetlin unless you have been there with him. And pretty much what they're saying, it's part of my sweet spot. When when suddenly there's an incredible grace and freedom and joy, uh, I can't even explain it. Sometimes I like to even watch videos on myself because it's just like it, it's that that thing that it it brings glory. To to the Father. It is what the Holy Spirit can do just through this ordinary, broken Norwegian that have a lot of scars and is not the toughest and the hardest or the this, the that, but somebody just have volunteered. But when I'm stepping into it, something in me becomes alive. I was born for that. I was born for risk, for risk-taking. I have this appetite, curiosity. Can this be done? And yes, with God, all things is possible. All things is possible. And then you start the warfare around this. And sometimes it is about a six months battle before. So sometimes it is the battle you fight before the battle you win. And other times it is the battle you fight after the battle you won. Wow. That is powerful. And it sounds, the thing that I keep hearing is like you've done these great things because you were just willing. And because you just raised your hand, you said, Lord, I'm here, like send me. But there was a yes on your life to Jesus, even in the little things that that took you to a place where you could say yes to these these great risk moments. Yeah, and also I think that people need to see that small 
yeah. is the new big in the kingdom right. and low is the new high. Mm. And I still remember uh, I got this incredible favor with a top Muslim leader, the granny mom in Pakistan quite a few years back. But it was like the Holy Spirit whispered to me and says, why did you receive this uncommon favor? And I still remember that the Holy Spirit just brought me back that night to as a Baptist pastor in a small little Baptist church in Norway. One day I'm doing my sermon work and talking about, I think it was the Good Samaritan I was sitting there and working on. And then suddenly somebody knocks on the door. The tension in Norway at the time was that there was a lot of refugees that came in. And especially then the, t- the tension was between the Serbs and the Kosvalbanians, which was kind of a Muslim Christian kind of a setting uh, in, uh, in Kosovo and horrific killings. The Kosvalbanians are Muslims. And so when they knocked on the door, there is a father, a wife that is pregnant and was, they had three children. Mm. They, they're just standing on the door and knock. And then I open up, they didn't speak much Norwegian. But what do you do in a setting like that? Uh, I knew that if I'm opening up the church and I, I knew enough that these people and they were able to tell me they are about to be kicked out of the country of Norway, the Norwegian government have said you do not have qualification mm. to be able to stay in our country. Wow. But they were tears in their eyes full of fear, knowing they're going to be sent back to a country where their family is going to be killed. Wow. And they say, please help us, please help us. So what do you do when you have a Muslim family on a small little church, Baptist church and and I took the risk. I opened up the door. Wow. And I knew, uh, I, it took me a few moments to analyze. I can lose a lot of church member. Mm-hmm. I don't know, have any authority because we had kind of a deacons and leadership team. I mean, the other thing is I can get in prison because I'm violating the law by allowing illegal immigrants to coming into our church building. And the other thing, where are they going to live? They're going to have to live in the church. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to have Muslims that pray five times to Allah in your church. Mm-hmm. And then she is pregnant. What are you going to do? You don't have the health care. I mean, so I had all those things going in, but push comes to shove. And this is before my baptism of love, but I chose love instead of fear. I chose risk. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it was the right thing to do. The next nine months, every single day, there were so many lessons I learned in the small things from this family. And then all these years later, the favor I have in the Muslim world is connected to. So when somebody says, can you prove that you really love Muslims? I tell the story what love looks like. And it was a small little step compared to the big picture of what I do today. So I'm even saying that to the people that can be the person in the grocery store, that can be you felt you had a word of knowledge or paying for the grocery here or somebody, even that difficult the boss that you had and just how do you relate to that from a love perspective and it maybe takes you risk to confront or it takes risk for you to set boundaries but sometimes I think that we we're looking for those big things but it is like David playing a harp and David also practicing David practicing a sling was also a key why he was entrusted board with Goliath because there was no reason to bring him before a king and there was no reason for God to give a nightmare to the king if it was not that there was a David that knew how to master his harp. So sometimes every one of us have been given a harp but very few people are mastering that harp and using that harp so when God needs somebody and can set up the stage even what needs to happen in an impossible situation what we did in a small 
things when nobody was watching because we didn't play he didn't play the harp because one day there's going to be a king with a nightmare and he's going to change the environment right. no he started to change the environment they're going into the secret place receiving secrets before and then as a result of that the one that was ready is the one that god used to be able to do the impossible when that time came wow. so i think there's just some kingdom principle i've looked in my life just based up on that love how you said the that small is the new big in the kingdom and low is the new high. That is so powerful and such an important thing for us to, to look at because the shift in perspective um, from, from how culture thinks, you know, it's, it's, you know, Jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant. Like he, it was important to him that we go low. That's so powerful. So tell me about, um, tell me about a time where, there was great risk in a situation. Tell me about something, whether it was in the mission field or you going and, and facing something in a situation that, that you were risking everything, and um, but you had the ease and the grace and the peace to do so. Now, I think that one of my, I mean, the story that came to my mind, because I have so many stories, but this one is one of my favorite ones. Uh, and that was... We heard that Taliban was coming into Lahore, which is very, very seldom that happens with a lot of the attack. And I was over there to be able to do a big uh, healing festival, is what we call it, a crusade. And anyway, so we uh, people were saying you need a council and everything else, and there was a lot of tension and a lot of killings going on. And then we found out that 54 people were killed. And then Taliban attacked a police station in the same city, and they're heading to town. And I'm talking about this is 24 hours before the event. And I had some leadership, police, other ones that came to me at the hotel and says, uh, you're probably going to cancel. And I kind of pleaded, now, can I just do this one? We had spent six months in preparation. Could I just do this one meeting at least? We just do the one meeting. And I've received very clear instruction that you cannot preach Jesus, anything else. But you just pray for some sick people, but just watch our signal. And we just, and I usually follow protocol very well. So as I'm saying that my, my thing is full of love, full of power and full of wisdom. And wisdom is to honor and it's also to follow protocol. Mm. But then there is times when even risk suddenly goes beyond that. And that was, I, I still never forgot it. 24,200 people the first night. And I had a couple of people on my team. One was my armor bearer, Todd Bevan, who is in heaven right now. But he, he was sitting behind. And so the, the, the leadership met with me right before we're driving in. And so you, if you can kind of see the picture, Taliban is heading that way. Wow. And I found out somebody with intelligence service came to my room and says, you are the fourth target. They've already hit the first three target and you're the fourth target because you're doing this meeting. So that didn't make a... Make, make you feel more comfortable. So I am trying to come into this event and to be able to finish what needed to be done to be able to share Jesus. But now I'm not allowed to do that. So I kind of get handcuffs. I'm allowed to just pray a prayer for the sick. They're going to put me back in the car, get our team, hurry, get us back to the hotel and then get us out before all these things happen. So the time is ticking and we eventually had some delays, got out there. And then when I, well, it's hard without crying, but when I stand up on the stage and I just looked over this ocean of people and I just felt like these people, 
this is their only time in their life. And I still remember some women with burqa sitting there, and I just felt I was so broken out. If they don't hear the gospel, they will never have another chance to meet this Jesus. They lived their entire life, and they've never met Jesus as Lord. So I was just like so overwhelmed. And I remember the instruction again, and I, I have one guy with a sort of shotgun, another one like with an AK-47, and there was guards up on the stage and I had one of the top Muslim leaders watching and making sure I just did what I was supposed to be done. And I knew that the instruction is, and the worst crime you can commit is dishonor. Mm. So I was like, if you do not do the right thing, it's over. So I'm just, but then something came over me. It was risk. It was faith. Because again, I did realize that there's 24,000 some names that can be added to the Lamb's Book of Life if they hear this. So, uh, so there's one life that I live. Could I just lay that down? And I've already said that I'm like a coin in your hand. Just use me whatever way you want to Jesus. And I didn't know if this is Jesus or not because normally I would follow honor and protocol. But at this moment, I broke it. And I went in and I preached the most. And I kind of like constantly is just waiting for a shot or somebody to hit me in the head. I wait while I preached. But I went from a radical, clear gospel of Jesus. And then as a result of that, People stood up, and we still have an old video here from it that was captured. And then these people surrendered to Jesus, the whole place and the atmosphere. And I prayed a sinner's prayer and prayed and received, and healings was taking place. This was probably going on for about 17 to 20 minutes that all of this took place. While I'm still waiting, why am I not being shot? I'm waiting for that and, and, and kind of just curious. And I knew I'm in deep, deep trouble no matter what. But so... Uh, then suddenly they came and got me after I was finished all of it. You need to get going. Get out of here. I'm still wondering. I'm sitting in the car and the attacks started to come in. And now they're heading towards me. So we're ending up to the hotel. And then I have a couple of top Muslim leaders in my room with me. So now they are there to protect me. It has to do with the Muslim hospitality instead of killing me. But then I was wondering still why during the sermon... And then I found out every single time I said something that they would normally stop, the phone rang. And Todd Bevan, who was sitting by the side of the imams there, this phone rang and, but hello, hello. And there was nobody there. There was a number coming in. And later on, I, I know that it was an angel, that just an angel continued to call seven different times. And if that hadn't happened, those seven moments, and we can kind of look through the video, the seven times that when the phone call came in, the distraction was there so they didn't hear what I said and what I was doing. I got so distracted. Who is doing this and who has my private number? And all of that, that became the thing. And I still had violated, but now I needed a discipline, but I didn't have a death sentence. But when the discipline came now, they were there to protect me and their concern was more protect me because I was a guest instead of punish me. And I made it through that incident. And again, to have 24,000 names added to the Lamb's Book of Life. So there's been a, there's been quite a few of those where uh, where I, if I do step out of that boat, I know I'm dead and I'm just I'm going to sink. And then just to see God just showing up. So that's probably one of those, uh, what I recommend, don't do it at home. <laughs> and, and, and I've had quite a few of those incidences over the years where I've stepping out. It was totally risk. And I knew that I was going to be gone. But God just showed up. But then came God. Then came Jesus. And things changed. So 
It's not that I'm so bold, but I think that uh, I'm, I'm full of love. And when love starts, then the love that I had for all of those multitudes was greater than my own life. Mm-hmm. And that has happened on several occasions. And it's just a special grace that is taking place when you when you're stepping out of the boat and you don't have any plan B. There's only one plan A. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, Jesus, but I'm giving my life for this one. And when you give your life, that's also when you gain your life and you find a freedom. I love how you said that normally you honored the protocol. And so you knew in this moment, like that stepping out of the boat in this looked like you going against what you normally do. And, and actually like, Doing doing this thing in a in a risky way, but that your attitude wasn't oh I'm going to do the most risky crazy thing. Your attitude was I'm going to honor, and then in this moment you knew. Yeah, and 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 again, I wish that I knew what is God and which is not. I yeah. I don't. It, that's what I'm saying. That's where risk comes in. Mm-hmm. I did not know. Yeah. I didn't know was this the Holy Spirit or not. But there's been time where I've seen He has just honored me because of my faith or my risk or that I had an appetite for the impossible there that God just honored. Even if it was not him, he has honored me that I, I rather sink and get out of the boat than be in the boat. And he honored that still. Wow. That is so powerful. Well, Leif, I've loved talking about this with you because you're obviously living a life of yes and a life of risk where you're not afraid to step out and do whatever it takes to honor Jesus. Um, would you pray for us today and pray for our listeners and just give us your closing thoughts? Yeah. And before I do that, I just want even to encourage or challenge anyone that is there. What are some of those perhaps small things, small challenges, because I mentioned smallest in your big, but what are some of those things that is right in the front of you right now? And it is actually a test. It's actually a test for the greater things. And sometimes we think, wow, I would say yes to those big things, but sometimes it is those small things that is right in the front of us where you just need to take that phone call or you need to go over and ask forgiveness or you need to be able to stand up for yourself with that boss or you need to be able to resign that job that you're not supposed to be. I mean, sometimes just those small things that is in the front of you to be able to pursue your dream and do what you're called to do is what is setting you up for a bigger yes. So I just want to challenge you on that because I feel like there's a lot of people around that at this very moment, we're just kind of waiting for God's sovereignty and part of God's sovereignty he says, many are called, but few are chosen. And I think that when you start to volunteer and say, hey, even what's going on in America and around the world, but for you to say yes, and yes, it's easy for you to say no if you have a big enough yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm just blessing you to live a lifestyle of being able to say yes to Jesus no matter what. And those small yeses it actually builds up to a momentum for a bigger yes. And when he can trust you in small things, he's going to actually set you up for greater things. So Father, I just thank you so much for, for just the grace, grace, grace. Grace to enjoy and grace to endure. I just ask for every one of the listeners, even at this moment, and they don't need to compare themselves to me or they're hearing some of those stories. I I just pray that they will hear also my heart in this, that it's not that I'm so brave or I'm so full of courage. It's just that I, I have this love that is so deep, the way that you loved me and the way that I love the least, last, and lost, that I love the ones that has never once heard the gospel 
sometimes lovers do crazy things they stand up and shout in a restaurant they they do crazy things and i know me as a lover the love that i have for you and the love i have for these beautiful beautiful people makes me do some crazy things but i thank you father that you honor us even when we didn't do things that was okay you honor a jacob even while he was a jacob and he was a deceiver and con artist and everything else because the very longing of his heart was his longing of his heart was to be an israel to be a prince so i'm asking now for every single person that is listening today that you will just you will just stir up something give them palates to be able to getting a taste for something that is impossible possible stir up an appetite for the extraordinary for living a life of excitement living a life of experiences with god where wow where we don't have fear any longer because perfect love have cast out fear and we bring such a glory to you in the lifestyle that we live so i thank you for all these risk takers i thank you for all the history makers i thank you for all the world changers i thank you for the ordinary people from walking into that classrooms to the nurse that goes to work that you will do something with this message that will remind people of the greatness which is christ within you the hope of glory that is about to be exposed through your life and bring glory to the Father. Let a dove just rest upon you. Whew. There it is. <laughs> and let, whoa, the joy, childlikeness, innocence. It's like having a kid. I just saw that picture. I says, hey, and the kid, it's so high there, but he trusts that the Father is going to be able to catch him. And it's almost like the picture I saw. It's like, it's crazy for you child to jump from there and he's like no 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 i know my dad i know my dad is going to be able to catch me and he just jumped from that big cliff and the dad is there and he's able to grab his boy because he trusts his father and i just ask that that's going to be the picture that is going to be in front of you this week this year that you are going to be willing to jump knowing that your father is there with big arms and he's going to be able to catch you and the father he can move faster than you can fall so I just bless you with that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.